How many love the Word of God? Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to have some fun today. I'm not going to preach very long. Don't amen there. That's a bad place to amen. Um, I'm not going to preach very long, and we're going to close the last Sunday of 2019 with the time of communion. And um, I, I believe power, already the first service was powerful. And uh, I, I know God has something special for you. And uh, so I'm just going to preach for a couple minutes. I want to I give you a concept, a thought that I believe God's been speaking to me for us. And, uh, and then we're going to just transition in time in ministry and prayer. And uh, I believe God's going to do something real special in you. I really believe this. I believe God's going to mark you. That's not like a negative. That's a positive. God's going to mark you with his presence to begin to usher you into 2020. No matter what 2019 has been, I believe 2020 can be better. So if you had a great year, it's going to be a better year. If you had a bad year, it's going to be really easy. God's going to make it a better year. And uh, God takes us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And uh, we believe that's going to happen. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi. And he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I love that. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, that's like what real preachers say. If you're really talking, brothers and sisters, my brothers and my sisters, thank you for gathering together. In the, I do not consider myself, it's getting carried away, yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing, one thing I do. This is Paul, wrote two thirds of the New Testament, man of God, an apostle. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards. What is ahead? I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? Paul says this one thing I do. Just one thing. I mean, how, how many could like deduct your last year, 2019, to doing one thing? I mean, we didn't just do one thing today. I mean, you're multitasking on the way to church. You were texting. You know you shouldn't have been texting. That's why you almost hit someone in the parking lot. We saw you. You're on the security thread. Like, hey, one thing. This is what Paul says. This is one thing I do. Forgetting that which is behind and straining towards that is what is ahead. God's got something for you. There's something to press on to. There's something to move ahead to. There's something to accomplish. But it necessitates focus. You know, you know what, what focus really is? Focus is a practice of isolation. If you're good at isolating things, you can be good at focusing. The reason that we don't focus is because that we have too many things on our radar. If you want to focus, this will help you with your homework, students. If you want to focus, you've got to remove distractions. So for me, I get distracted easily. So I need to like turn off the lights because I like see something on the floor. I'm like start cleaning up, start cleaning the couch, couch arranging my furniture. I got to turn off the lights. I got to turn off my phone because there's all kinds of notifications, everything, everywhere. And, and I've been listening to every Seahawk press conference there is. So I was like, I got to turn off notifications and I got to focus. If you're going to forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead, it is going to require you to focus. In 2020, it is going to require you to focus. Now, I, I, I thought this was interesting that Paul would say the one thing that he does is forget because all throughout the scriptures, the Bible tells us to remember. You ever read that? I mean, what do you do with this? The Bible says, remember how I delivered you 
out of the Egyptians' hands. Remember how I brought you across the Red Sea. Remember the covenant of God. Remember all of these things. The rainbow was a covenant of God that he never flooded the earth again. Remember the covenant that he made. All of these things God says remember. Paul says forget. What is it? That's what I want to talk about just for a couple minutes. Which is it? Do we forget? Or do we remember? There's a lot of things I like to forget, so I kind of lean towards forgetting. You know, it's like, that, that one's easier. Like, yeah, let's just forget it. Let's move on. When I began to look at this, I thought it was interesting because Paul is a man of God. If anybody going to listen, you should listen to Paul. Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Let me just ask you this question. How many of you would be willing to say that about your life? Hey, follow me. Do whatever I do. Love however I love. Spend however I spend. Save however I save. Pray however I pray. Read however I read. Look at whatever I look at. Think about whatever I think about. If you do that, you're going to get to him. Yeah, me neither. I, I wish, right? It's a goal. This is what Paul says. He says, you can follow me. You do what I do. You say what I say. You pray how I pray, and you're going to get to him. So Paul's got some clout, and he tells us that the one thing that he does is he forgets what is behind. In Luke chapter 22, it says this, and he, being Jesus, took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body. Talking about communion. This is Jesus given for you. Do this in remembrance, in, rem in remembering, in rem remember. So now we got a problem because Paul says forget and Jesus says, remember. Now, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you should know this. The correct answer is always Jesus. That's right. You're not paying attention. You're texting. Teacher calls on you. Do you know the answer to the question? Yes, Jesus. <laughs> it takes a bad teacher to tell you that Jesus is incorrect. I'm just going to tell you. Like, that's the safest answer. Like, when we put Paul against Jesus, Paul loses. So Paul says forget, and Jesus says remember. Which one is it? And so I begin to look at this and study Philippians chapter 3, and it's interesting that in the Greek, this word forget does not mean block out of your memory. It does not even mean just ignore it and move on, which I kind of always had a scriptural basis for not dealing with things, right? Paul said to forget what is behind and move on. So it's like, I'm forgetting some people, you know, it's just like, see ya, I'm leaving you in 2019, Goodbye. That's not what he's saying. The, the word forget actually has this meaning. To stop loving what you left. So this is what Paul is saying. Is that you've given up so much for the gospel. Which he's happy about. Which we should. The gospel is about surrender. It is about a life laid down. But he's saying stop looking back and loving what you left. But do this one thing, strain towards what is ahead with focus, with isolation. Run after the thing in front of you. He uses the analogy of a runner running a race. If you're running a race and you're looking back, that is a sure way to lose. And for many of us, it's not about remembering. It's actually about loving the thing that we left. Oh, man, I had to surrender that, and I'm running after Jesus, but I missed that lifestyle. 
I miss doing whatever I wanted to do. I miss just doing that or being with him or being with her. I miss that. We miss the sin, but we forget. We forget about what we felt in those moments. The emptiness, the pain, the loneliness, the bitterness, the bondage, the regret, the shame. Do I need to go on? We remember, this is what the Israelites said, we remember how it was in Egypt. There was plenty of food to eat. They were slaves. They are looking back. The only thing they can remember is the good things of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. There was nothing good about that. There was no freedom in Egypt. But in their current situation, the only thing they're remembering is what they've left. you got to be careful to love what you've left. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, I want you to remember. He's not speaking as a contradiction to Paul. He's actually saying, I want, I, want you to, I want you to remember. I want you to remember my covenant I made with you. I want you to remember that I formed you in your mother's womb. I want you to remember that I've got a plan for you. I want you to remember that I'm going to speak tenderly to you. I want you to remember that I love you always. I want you to remember that my love is never ending. I want you to remember that I always forgive. I want you to remember that there's a Messiah that will give his life and shed his blood so that you can live. I want you to remember... This is what Jesus is saying. He says, remember this sacrifice. So it's not in contradiction. It's actually in cooperation. Because Paul says, I'm going to forget this. What he's saying is, I'm not going to love what I left. I am going with disciplined focus to run after this one thing. And Jesus is saying, when you're looking back and remember, remembering, remember what I saved you from. Remember how I delivered you. Honestly, when I read this, I felt like it kind of like, it seemed like a trick question. Forget, remember. Which one? Which one? Forget, remember. I actually came across these, these trick questions this, this week, and, and I got really embarrassed in the first service already because I, I read one, and I'm going to see how you do because the first service did really well. I heard this, how many months, this is a trick, this is a trick question, how many months have 28 days? Y'all, y'all read the same thing they did. Awesome. Yep, all of them have at least 28 days. I was the only one that read this this week. Before Mount Everest was discovered, what was the highest mountain? Mount, Mount Everest. You know that too. All right. Let me try this one. What's heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of bricks? Okay, you know that one? Ton, right? A ton is a ton. It's just, it's there. Okay, I got one for you. I think I can get you on this one. What's longer? A year of pain or a year of blessing? I got you. I set you up. It's the same. It doesn't feel the same, does it? No, man, you can, you can have a year that feels like 10. Some of you married couples, you've been married 30 years, but it feels like 300. <laughs> Some of you married couples, you've been married 30, and it feels like one. It's like, man, you're still honeymooning. It's, it's good. It's, it depends. Everybody has a different experience or reality about the journey that they find themselves on. A year can feel long, or a year can feel short, based on what you experience in the year. But the year is still only a year. 
It's still only a year. I think that what Paul is saying in forgetting and what Jesus is declaring in remembering is not a trick question. I think what he's trying to tell us that whether in pain or whether in blessing, we need to not love what we've left and we need to remember the promise of God. In fact, in the book of Exodus, it talks about the Passover. Many of you know about the Passover, but when the Passover first began, where it came from is plagues were hitting Egypt so that the Egyptians would release the Israelites from slavery. And there was a certain plague that was going to kill the firstborn child of every family. It's crazy. Old Testament is wild. And God speaks to Moses and he says, if they apply the blood, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. If someone would apply the blood to the doorpost of their house, on the sides and on the top, then the death angel, when it came across the city, it would see the blood and it would pass over. Now, if you've never been in church, you're freaked out right now. And that's okay. The basis of Christianity is based on that human humanity, mankind, is innate sinful. That they, we, we have all been born into sin. And that sin cannot coexist with God. And so that the only way, in ancient times, the only way that you could receive forgiveness was through the blood of an innocent animal. So they took the blood of the innocent animal and they put on their doorpost. This is interesting. It was something that was on the front of their house that they would have to pass through. And it wasn't on the front of the church. It was on the front of their house. Because Jesus didn't come to a church. Jesus came to houses. He came to individual. We gather as the church. He's coming back for his church, his called out ones. But his relationship is with each and every one of us individually. And so the Passover, the, 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 the blood was on the doorpost, and people would pass in. Now, this interesting is part of the Passover feast, when people would commemorate how, how the, the angel had passed over and God spared their lives. There's a part of the Passover that includes something kind of interesting. It says that they would eat the Lord's Supper, which is, which is bread and the cup, represent the body and blood, but they would also eat a cup of bitter herbs. Bitter herbs. Interesting. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. Now, that's really a way to mess up the meal. And this is why. They wanted the bitter herbs to remind them, remi- to remember the bitterness of slavery. That it was important for them to remember the place that God had called them from. That it was important to remember the place that God had delivered them from. So they ate the bitter herbs to inflict pain on themselves to remind themselves oh man I remember what it used to be because if we're not careful we'll remember the food in Egypt but we don't remember the slavery of Egypt so the bitter herbs remind us that I once was lost but now I'm found I once was blind but now I see this is what the so the Passover is so important to us because of this they would taste the bitter herbs and know that we were once enslaved I remember that. I remember, I don't know when you ever had an encounter with God or ever got saved or gave your life to Jesus. I remember I was 16 years old. I had an encounter with God. Jamie was 22. We were both had been raised in, children, in Christian homes, but we encountered God at different ages. I don't know when it was for you, but there's a moment in time that God wants to encounter you. 
so that you can look back and you can remember the bitterness of the past. You can remember. This is not what Paul is saying. Don't forget the pain. Or He's not telling you to forget the pain. He's saying forget the things that pull your attention away from Jesus. Forget the things that pull your focus away from your Savior. Forget the things that get in the way of wholehearted devotion. And Jesus says, and remember, the other side of this, remember the slavery that you were in. Remember the darkness of the days that you spent before you found the light of Jesus. Oh, man. Did you ever think about that? My concern sometimes is for Christians who have walked with Jesus for a really long time is they forget what it was like to be lost. Do you know what the Passover is? It's a reminder. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember when I didn't want to live. I remember when I was so bound up with insecurity. I remember when my heart was rotten with bitterness. I, I remember when I would cry myself to sleep. I remember when... See, that's the power of remembering. That remembrance is what fuels you to go forward and do what Paul said. Remembering what he did for me energizes me to run after God. Remembering what he did energizes, it it, it fills me with life and vitality to move forward. It also, it brings me to a place of worship. Because when I see what he did, I can't help but worship him. I can't help but give him my life and give him my heart. Gratitude begins to overflow from my life when I remember. But Paul said, forget. He said, stop loving the thing that you left. You ever done like that? God's asked you to give up something. And you're like, okay, I gave it up. I wish I, wish I still had. No, forget it. Break up with it. Run. Put your head down. Get focused. Set your mind. Set your heart. In 2020, why be distracted? We don't got time for any of this. Let's just get down in position and let's begin to run. Remember what he did? Remember how he saved us? Remember how he found us? Remember? Remember his goodness? Remember his faithfulness? Remember his grace? Remember his mercy? Remember how he healed us? Remember how he spoke to us? Remember that time? Remember that camp? Remember that encounter? Remember that conference? Remember your grandma's prayers? Remember your parents praying over your life? Remember and let it fuel you into the race that God has for you. In the Gospels, we see Jesus sit down at the Passover. It's awesome we're talking about it. Jesus did this. This is where he talks about communion is when he actually sat down at the Passover meal. In the Passover, it was important that you had the bitter herbs. There's a lot of things that you had in the meal, but one of the, some of the staples were the cup of bitter herbs, a cup of wine, and a uh, um, bread and also a lamb a lamb that was pure and spotless that had been sacrificed for the forgiveness of the sins of that family and it was important that you ate all of the lamb that's written in the Old Testament that you ate all of it you know I think that reminds me of is sometimes we like to dabble in Christianity but in the Old Testament it was part of the ritual you ate all of it which is basically symbolic of being all in I'm all in 
And it's interesting that in, in the Gospels, when Jesus sat down at the Passover meal, he had a missing ingredient. They had the wine, they had the bread, they had all of the, all of the arrangements except all of the Gospels leave out the lamb. That Jesus is taking the Passover with no lamb. John chapter 1 verse 46, John the Baptist declares as Jesus walks into the scene, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I've got good news for you. You don't need a lamb on the table if you have a lamb at the table. It was the first prophetic fulfillment that he was the Lamb of God even before he had given his life when he sat down at the table and he said, all I need is wine and bread. I don't need a lamb because I am the lamb. I am the lamb. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Bible teaches us his body. It represents all kinds of different things, but one of the things it represents, it represents provision. That his body was our provision. That his body was our healing. His body was broken for our healing. That his body was broken so that we could have entrance into the family of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the bread of life. The Bible declares, and we've learned this in our study the last couple of weeks, that in Bethlehem, Bethlehem actually means house of bread. Jesus declared that he was the bread of life. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Fulfilling prophecies. The bread. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. Pause. I hope you see this. Everyone thought as Jesus was being crucified that he was being punished for something that he did. That he did. But he was without sin. What nailed, and this could be morbid just for a second. But what nailed Jesus to the cross was my sin your sin my selfishness and your selfishness my greed and your greed our lust our perversion our anger our bitterness our infidelity our wandering minds our all everything you can think of all of that is what was heaped on Jesus at the cross so this scripture says that he didn't suffer because of his own consequences. He suffered because of the pain of what was put on him. He, they considered him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Yet he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. People always talk about this in, in regards to physical healing, and it includes physical healing, but it's not limited to fit. Listen to what it was just talking about. Transgressions, iniquity, sin. That healing is not just physical healing. It is a healing of the heart. It is emotional healing. It is healing you from the scars of whatever is in your past. Sin stains us. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
Sin stains us. But the blood of Jesus, which is the other side of communion. Communion is the bread and the blood. The blood represents the blood that was spilt, that was that, 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 that came from Jesus as he was crucified on that cross. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is that Jesus declares that you can't take his life from him. He says, I willingly lay it down. That's like the most OG, sane move in the Bible. Jesus is like, you can't take this life. No, I'm dying because I lay it down. You're not in control of this. This is my party. I came and I'll die because I choose to die. That's just like, he's, he's the man. Like literally, he's the man. The blood. You know, I was messed up this week. I was thinking about this, but I really got messed up this morning. I was just praying for you. I was praying over this. It's a little different than what we normally do because I just I wanted to just slow it down. I was like, man, it feels heavy. It should feel heavy. It's not going to stay heavy. We're going to celebrate before we end. But it should feel. His body was broken for me. His blood was spilled for me. It messes me up to think that it was my sin the nails in his hand. It's my sin to put the whip on his back. It's different when you put yourself in the story. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses us from sin. That's one of the primary things it does. It cleanses us from sin. But it also, it removes the guilt of sin. You know what that means? Yeah, this is a bad analogy, but you ever spilled coffee on a white shirt? It's just like, you're like, I never spill coffee until I wear a white shirt. That seems like that's how. And then you're like, no, and you try to try to wipe it off, it gets worse. You know. To remove that stain is the picture that is given when it says that he cleanses us from our sin. So we, we understand forgiveness. We sinned, he forgives us. But for the stain to be removed is this: that he now removes the effect of that sin. Someone is going to get set free today. Someone is never going to be the same again because you have been living under condemnation and shame for something that Jesus bled and died for. He spilled that blood, not just so that you could have forgiveness, thank you Lord for forgiving me, so that he could remove the effect. You've been plagued. You've never been able to love again. You've never been able to trust again because of you need the blood of Jesus to not just forgive you, but to cleanse you, to remove the effect of that sin. Not only does it do that, it restores us to a right relationship with God. He is fully divine. We are fully human. There is no way that we can intersect because we have sin in us. There's no way we can connect with God. Jesus, and by his shedding his blood, it is like God puts on Lenses, Jesus lenses on his sunglasses. And when he looks at you, he looks through Jesus. Some of you, like, you were scared to come to church today. You're like, man, if I come to church, I don't know what's going to happen. You ever invite someone to church and they say that? Like, man, you don't know me, Pastor. I come in that church, man. I respect God and like it. When you say yes to Jesus, God drops the lenses. And he does not see all the mistakes, all the pain, all the junk, all the... I know we see it, because we're human. 
God doesn't see it. He looks at you through the lens of the sacrifice of his son. And that blood makes you innocent and it makes you spotless and it makes you righteous and it makes you acceptable and it makes you desirable. That's why you can come in. This is why Hebrews says, I can come into his presence with boldness with confidence I can hold my head up high and walk into his presence not because I'm worthy but because of the sacrifice of Jesus his blood was spilled and now I can come with confidence because he doesn't see my garbage he sees his son that's why God is pleased with you that's why God is in love with you that's why God is happy about your life because the blood of Jesus covers everything that would be undesirable to him. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. says, since the children of flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. That's us. For this reason... Jesus had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he, Jesus, might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered. When he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Wait. Jesus is tempted like I'm tempted? Yep. Well, no, you don't know my world. This is 2019. God knew what you would have, what you'd experience. The temptations today are the same temptations then. It's the same root. Different manifestations, different access, same root. And he says that he came, that he could be tempted like us, but without sin so that he could be the sacrifice for our sin so that we would have a chance at new life. That's powerful. And what Jesus declares is that communion, the Lord's Supper, is where we remember his body and we remember his blood. That we remember his body was broken for us and we remember that his blood was spilt for us. And it's a reverent moment. I just want to celebrate about the blood. It's not even that. It's a reverent moment. We'll celebrate because I taste the bitter herbs of my past. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know where I've failed. See, that's what will keep you humble in life. It's not forgetting that you ever had a problem. It's remembering you had a problem. It's remembering you made mistakes. But in spite of all of that, Jesus still chose you. Jesus, sometimes that's why I feel is like being a pastor People are like, well, you should, and this happened. You should, you should. I'm, like, I'm sorry, he chose me. I knew I was bad. I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew I would make mistakes. Talk to him. He picked the, he picked the failure. That's what he does with all of us. In spite of our stuff. And is that not powerful? In spite of the things that would disqualify us, he says, yeah, I choose you. I choose you. I see the greatness in you. I see the, I see what I put in you. I see, oh, it's awesome. Come on, that's amazing. Oh, incredible. Oh, no, oh, that's, I don't even see, I don't even see it. 
You're coming to God like, oh, you probably hate me. He's like, what? All I see, all I see, put the lenses down. How do you do that? Whatever. All I see is the sacrifice of my son. I love you. 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 If I had enough time, I'd tell you all. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. He loves us. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.